Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of October 21st, 2018. The podcast that swims in a baseball pool. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's agglomerate the news of the bogus. And the big news this week is a purge of 559 pages and 251 accounts from Facebook that it deems to be untrustworthy or fake news or otherwise broke its rules. Funny how some of these pages include the Free Thought Project and other pages skeptical of government behavior that were widely popular among libertarians. Both Facebook's product manager and their cybersecurity head claimed that these sites weren't interested in debate, just spamming to make money. Something fans of these pages say is utterly ridiculous. The Free Thought Project had 3 million followers. Another, Police the Police, had 2 million. And what's weird is, along with Police the Police, CopBlock and several other police accountability pages were purged as well. Others, such as Photography is Not a Crime, have had their access severely restricted. And that brings me to the real point I want to make with this story. Mainstream leftism uses astroturf groups like Black Lives Matter to push their agenda. But despite the agenda of its leaders, Black Lives Matter has a lot of members who are genuinely concerned about the activities of unaccountable law enforcement officers who use deadly force against African Americans. So you would think this would be a subject where we would be natural allies. Which is the point I've always made with All Lives Matter. We should be able to come together to hold police accountable for all of their misdeeds, regardless of the race of the person they're committed against. But here, we see them acting against people in groups doing precisely that, advocating recording on-duty police officers and taking other steps to ensure their accountability. And the conclusion staring us in the face is that they only care about being able to push their political agenda and not doing anything to actually solve the problem when it's done against a black person. And they say we're the racists. John McAfee didn't quite make biggest bogani emitter this week, but it wasn't for lack of trying. He tweeted, The presidential alerts. They are capable of accessing the E911 chip in your phones, giving them full access to your location, microphone, camera, and every function of your phone. This is not a rant. This is from me, still one of the leading cybersecurity experts. Wake up, people! Later on, he tweeted, Canadian police officer made a dark web service to sell access to the E911 chip in everyone's phone. I know hundreds of cases here in the States where police are doing the same thing for extra cash. My phones are all E911 compromised. Be warned. Listen, folks. McAfee is not one of the leading cybersecurity experts as he claims. And ironically, these tweets are a great example of why. First of all, there is no such thing as an E911 chip. E911, or Enhanced 911, is a modern emergency service in the U.S. When you dial 911 on a cell phone, the system allows the 911 system access to your GPS location data so they can find out where to dispatch emergency vehicles, but only if you actually call 911. Also, the presidential alert doesn't use the E911 system. It uses the WEA service, or Wireless Emergency Alerts, which only allows messages to be sent to phones and cannot be used to locate them. It's used for weather statements and amber alerts. The difference between those and presidential alerts is that they can be turned off. 
Presidential alerts cannot, but it's one way. It sends nothing back. And nothing about E911 or WEA gives anyone access to your camera and microphone. For the second tweet, he links to a story about a French, not Canadian, police officer, and they don't have E911 in France, that's an American thing, who was arrested and charged for selling police documents on the dark web. He also ran a service where he would use police resources to locate a specific phone number on request. So, again, not at all like McAfee said. We need to focus on energies on things that actually threaten our privacy and security, not spread nonsense. Now this next one is not quite idiot extraordinaire. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks. Public Health England is taking drastic new measures to combat Britain's obesity crisis. They are placing legal limits on pizzas such that they can have no more than 928 calories. They're also placing limits on many other foods as well, including soups, burgers, and processed meats. Right, because that'll totally solve obesity. It's not like people will just buy more pizza or anything. Or go to the black market. Hey, yo, man, I got crank, blunts, opies, medium four toppings. Hey, check this out, bro. I got the stuff crust shit here. I gotta find me a new source for four cheese, yo. This comes in the wake of statistics showing that one in five children in the UK are obese by the time they leave primary school, with something like six to seven percent being severely obese. One wonders how Dickens would have written Oliver Twist if this had been the case in the 1830s. Dr. Allison Tedstone, chief nutritionist for the PHE, said, quote, It could mean less meat on pizza. It could mean less cheese. It could mean a smaller size. Consumers are saying they want smaller portions and healthier options. No, you are saying that people should want smaller portions. If consumers were saying that, there'd be a profit motive in companies giving it to them. Plus, who says that people actually have to eat all of it? What, are British citizens being force-fed or something? Have these people never heard of leftovers? And by the way, do I have to say it again? Nutritionist is not a protected term. Anyone can just call themselves a nutritionist and not even have to so much as pass a class or demonstrate proficiency on a test. What you should want is a dietitian. And what is the criteria for severely obese anyway? Is it anything sensible like percent body fat? No, it's if they're above the 99.6th percentile of people from 1990. Just more government meddling that won't work, but will completely screw up the market. And now it's time to cross-pollinate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to Senator Elizabeth Warren for clinging to her claims of Native American heritage even after releasing DNA results that actually show she doesn't have any. For years, she's claimed to have Native American heritage, specifically Cherokee, and her attempts to make hay with that have earned criticism and scorn from pretty much everyone, especially Native Americans. Her DNA results are claimed to show a pure Native American ancestor six to ten generations ago, meaning she's anywhere between 164th and 1024th Native American. I guess she's bringing back the one-drop rule. Tribes only consider you to be native if you're at least one-fourth native. Some of them will consider you if you're one-thirty-second native. Best case scenario, she's one-sixty-fourth, 
and her aboriginal ancestor lived probably in the 1700s. Warren actually has 0.098% native DNA. The average white person has 0.18. If she's Native American, so is pretty much everyone else. I mean, I guess I'm black then, because the average white southerner has 1% African ancestry, over 10 times as much as Warren has native. Really, she may have just proved that she's the whitest person in America. And get this, turns out it actually wasn't even native DNA. It was Peruvian, Colombian, and Mexican. Latino, not native, and definitely not Cherokee. And the Cherokee are not happy about it. Cherokee Nation Secretary of State Chuck Hoskin Jr. said, It makes a mockery out of DNA tests and its legitimate uses, while also dishonoring legitimate tribal governments and their citizens. And yet, Warren is insisting that Trump owns a promised $1 million to charity if her DNA showed native ancestry. Aside from the fact that it doesn't, that wasn't what was promised. He promised the money if she agreed to debate him and have a lab of his choosing do the testing. Baffling that she'd pull such a stunt just a few weeks before the election, and since there really wasn't any claim at all that she was correct about, who else but Elizabeth Warren could possibly have been this week's biggest bogan emitter? a special treat for this week, the fourth Silver Cluon winner of 2018. And it's odd that we actually give it to a government agency, but I have to admit I've always liked the Government Accountability Office. Their mandate is to expose bogosity in governmental departments, and since they're a creation of Congress, they're under the legislative branch, not the executive, so they can't be ordered or strong-armed by the executive. So this report is about the DOD's abject failure to properly implement cybersecurity in its weapon systems. I was trying to find a nice article that encapsulated this story, and I couldn't find one, so I'm linking to the full report, which is 50 pages long, but we're covering the main points. The DOD is going to spend about $1.66 trillion to develop its major weapon systems. They wasted no time in computerizing and networking them, but dragged their feet on actually securing them and they don't even really seem to understand how to do that. The GAO have warned of cyber risks for decades, but until recently, it just wasn't a priority with the DoD. So the GAO tested them using basic tools and techniques. They were able to take control of systems and operate them undetected due to problems such as unencrypted communications and bad password policies. But still, the DoD won't listen, claiming their tests were unrealistic. But if anything, the GAO says that their testing was limited and doesn't even begin to cover the real threats. They write, In one case, it took a two-person test team just one hour to gain initial access to a weapon system and one day to gain full control of the system they were testing. In one case, the test team took control of the operator's terminals. They could see in real time what the operators were seeing on their screens and could manipulate the system. They were able to disrupt the system and observe how the operators responded. In some cases, simply scanning a system caused parts of the system to shut down. One test had to be stopped due to safety concerns after the test team scanned the system. My personal favorite, and it's this sort of thing that makes me love the GAO, 
Another test team reported that they caused a pop-up message to appear on users' terminals, instructing them to insert two quarters to continue operating. It really seems like the basic off-the-shelf routers you and I use to connect to the Internet, as bad as they are, are more secure than DoD weapon systems. Your tax dollars at work. They found, quote, that only one of 20 cyber vulnerabilities identified in a previous assessment had been corrected. The test team exploited the same vulnerabilities to gain control of the system. When asked why vulnerabilities had not been addressed, program officials said they had identified a solution, but for some reason it had not been implemented. They attributed it to contractor error. Another test report indicated that the test team exploited 10 vulnerabilities that had been identified in previous assessments. They also chided the DoD for trying to keep things secure by keeping their design secret, which is known as security through obscurity and generally derided by cybersecurity experts. So, beautiful job, GAO. Enjoy your shiny new silver Kluon, but you might not want to hook it up to the internet before updating the firmware. And now it's time to break open the luggage of this week's... Idiot It's not Public Health England. It's also not John McAfee or the DOD, but someone who's even more clueless about cybersecurity than those two. And I suppose it really was just a matter of time before we had to give it to Kanye West. During a visit to the White House, Kanye engaged in a 10-minute long rant laced with expletives about the things our president should be doing. At one point, he showed pictures on his iPhone, but first unlocked them with the passcode 0000000. Of course this opened him up to national ridicule. Why would he use such an idiotic password? And why wouldn't he simply use Touch ID so it wouldn't be a problem? But really, this moronic code isn't his biggest fail, although it's easy to guess it's not the only one that hackers guess first. There are others, such as 123456. And iOS limits an attacker to six failed attempts, so it's not really a given that they'd be able to get in instantly. But the media hype and the Twitter mob that grew up around this failed to notice the real problem here. This would have been bad even if he had used a secure passcode. The problem is he entered it where it was completely visible, right in front of reporters and even cameras, meaning that anyone seeing it would have gotten his code and could have unlocked his phone at any time unless he changed it. And then it doesn't matter how good or bad your passcode is. So if you saw this and you were feeling all superior to Kanye because you chose a really secure one like 37251849, but you didn't stop to think that he also shouldn't have broadcasted over national TV and the internet, then you just might have to join Kanye West at being this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this full orchestration and five-part harmony edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv or discord.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate to Shane DK on PayPal, or if you want to use crypto, you can donate at altcoins.bogosity.tv. You can also support Chain DK on Patreon to get the podcast and my YouTube videos early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Bruce Schneier. 
If you think technology can solve your security problems, then you don't understand the problems, and you don't understand the technology. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. Bogosity.